Welcome to the Saturday Frights Podcast. I am the projectionist, your co-host for this radio program. Now, come join your host, Vic Sage, as we enter the vault to once again discuss retro horror films and television programs. <laughs> Projectionist? No doubt about it. That storm is not letting up. I possess two functioning eyes. I can see for myself that this wretched weather has not improved over the last couple of days. Maybe 2021 is trying to tell us it won't be any easier. Don't be absurd, Victor. Besides, if it was something truly hazardous... The haunted drive-in would be warning us in her usual fashion, yes. Don't turn on lights, cause I don't want to see. Something like that, projectionist? It must be a short in the intercom system, Serge. Do no doubt this amount of rain we have been experiencing. Rain? This is like one category below a hurricane, man. Tell me something, Victor. Are you the skittish at home? How does your wife manage to stand being around you for an extended period of time when you behave like this? Fine. I'm going to assume you didn't walk the property and check on the wards. You know, the ones that are supposed to keep this type of weather at bay? No, I have not had the opportunity, if you must know. I've been busy with the generators. We lost number three overnight. There was some kind of fraying of the power cables. Fraying? Or do you mean like something was chewing on them? Here we go again. I have told you before, you dolt. The plague rats have gone elsewhere. A location that even I have been unable to divine. And I'm telling you, my friend, there are too many bizarre things happening of late. Even for the vault. Perhaps even for the old Retroist vault. You were letting your imagination run unchecked. I am too tired to bicker over this subject with you. At least I was able to count on Rockford J's aid with generator number three last evening. Although we worked so long, I finally had to send the whelp home. That was nice of you, projectionist. He's most definitely been working around the clock these last few days. I'm sure that he was appreciative. Well, it was hard to tell. Although... I feel he appeared grateful after he stopped twitching on the floor, that is. Excuse me? I was having him hold some of the power cables, and I might have forgotten to ground them beforehand. Or handing them over, I should say. 
so you're telling me you electrocuted Rockford? Not in the least, Victor. Oh, okay. I thought you said you didn't ground the power cables. I merely handed the dear boy the cables. There was a cracking sound, the smell of ozone. I remember a strangled cry. And then I noticed that Rockford J was twitching on the floor of the generator room. I called for a medical team to assist him, although I have no doubt that he was just fine. That's horrible news, man. Indeed. The resulting power surge burned out generator number three, as I previously mentioned. I was talking about you almost killing Rockford, projectionist. The nurse said that he would be right as rain, Serge. Well, thank goodness for small favors. They told me that after they sedated him, he ceased flailing every few minutes. And they assure me that he will most likely regain his basic motor functions. Are you kidding me, projectionist? How can you- Look over there on the control panel, Victor. The recording light is on, which means it is time once again for the Saturday Frights radio broadcast. Thank you for tuning in once again, dear listeners. We hope the new year is treating you all well so far. I'm afraid that we once again have been forced to postpone our screening of The Birds for our loyal patrons of the Haunted Drive-In. It is quite impossible to have visitors here during this type of infernal weather. After all, we take the safety of our patrons quite serious. Isn't that right, Victor? Of course. Just not our co-workers. What was that? I said, of course. Since we were unable to discuss Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds this week, we decided to talk about a film that was just recently released, Shadow in the Cloud, which, at the time of our recording this podcast, friends, was released just a few days ago on VOD and in select theaters. As I wrote about on the Pop Culture Retrorama site, I hadn't heard a single thing about this film before it showed up on my Amazon new rental list. Yes. Victor was kind enough to share the movie trailer with me on his handheld electronic audio and video device. I will admit, I was quite intrigued by the preview. A period picture set during the Second World War. An action film, as it were, with thrilling horror elements involving the crew of a flying fortress. So, I made a few telephone calls, and later in the evening, the staff were all snuggled safe and sound in the vault auditorium, screening Shadow in the Cloud. I've said it before, I'm not sure of these contacts you have, but I appreciate how they are able to work so quickly. That print was delivered in less than two hours, even in this weather. Back in the early days of the theater, it was all about who you knew, Victor. You needed an elephant at the last second for the premiere of 1952's The Greatest Show on Earth. You called in a favor. The same is true these days. Although, after these many, many years, 
the currency is considerably different. <laughs> On that ominous note, friends, with our discussion of Shadow in the Cloud, we're going to do something a little different. A throwback to the early days of the podcast. When your synopsis for a 30-minute episodic television show managed to be an hour in length, the doctor says to avoid stressful situations. You wouldn't classify your working environment as stressful, would you, Mr. Sage? No, Doc. Not at all. You're a mumbling, Victor. What I was referring to, Projectionist, was that we will not be giving a full synopsis for Shadow in the Cloud. As the film was just recently released, I highly doubt that everyone has had the opportunity to check it out for themselves. Now then, I believe you said you had a little something special for the listeners before we begin discussing the film. I most assuredly do, dear boy. Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Did you fail to dress up for tonight's show? No tie, an old shirt and slacks, a house dress? Well, don't give it a thought. We're glad you came as you are. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. Don't forget to visit our refreshment center during the intermission or any time. You love the tasty array of snacks we have to offer. So will the youngsters. Everything is quality and mm -hmm, so good. We hope you'll make this a weekly visit. Bring the family. Bring your friends. There are always wonderful new pictures to see. Delightful snacks to nibble. A gay, pleasant evening for all. The hell are you doing here? Flight Officer Garrett, I'm a flight mechanic and a pilot. Ain't no women in the Air Corps. My mission is classified. That's all you need to know. Who the hell are you, Miss Garrett? There's something on top of the plane. We are in danger. Gremlins are all in your head. First of all, I have to say that everyone that was able to attend the screening of Shadow in the Cloud really seemed to dig it. I had wondered why Rockford wasn't present, but I guess we know now, right? Anyway, it's a whole lot of fun. And while we at the vault were able to see it on the big screen, I regret that most of you won't have the same luxury. In my opinion, it has a mummy vibe to it. I'm talking about the 1999 film by Stephen Sommers, with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz, of course. In terms of action and pacing, there are dogfights with enemy planes, explosions, dangers outside of the plane and within. And at the end of the story, it's less of a globetrotting adventure than The Mummy, but more of a personal story. A powerful, feminist take on an action film. I know that some of the trailers have included a quote from the AV Club calling it, quote, pure popcorn entertainment, end quote. And that really is the absolute truth. As I have previously stated, dear listeners, it was quite thrilling. A picture that achieves what it sets out to do. Entertain you. Even if perhaps some of the story does not hold water in regards to logic. Well, you're just supposed to buckle up for the ride, my friend. As most of what we're going to be talking about is evident in the trailer itself, I don't exactly consider this synopsis spoiler-heavy. Or, at the very least, it's light spoilers. But, Shadow in the Cloud concerns the arrival of Maud Garrett, a young flight officer played by Chloe Grace Moritz, who is hitching a ride aboard the Fool's Errand, a B-17 bomber that is tasked with making a supply run from Auckland, New Zealand, to Samoa. 
The young woman appears unexpectedly and uninvited, carrying top-secret documents in a locked box. Under penalty of court-martial, it must not be opened. A flight that would be far more comfortable if she did not have to contend with the rather lecherous comments and advances from the crew of the Fool's Errand. I think the way that most of the crewmen of the B-17 talk to and about Maud goes beyond lecherous projectionist. It is intentionally deplorable. Director Roseanne Liang does a great job of showing, though, how Garrett begrudgingly puts up with it, but also gives back as good as she gets. But most importantly of all, it's not very long before Maud proves she is far more than capable of taking care of herself. As there are no extra seats on the plane, she is placed in the lower ball turret underneath the Sperry. The what? The undercarriage ball turret was, as is the case in Shadow in the Cloud, sometimes referred to as the Sperry, because it was developed by the Sperry Corporation and largely used on the Flying Fortress aircrafts as well as the B-24 Liberator during World War II. I thought that was what the Captain of the Fool's Errand called it, but I couldn't be sure. Anyway, Maud is able to prove she's a capable fighter when she happens to spot a Japanese plane, one that the crew insists can't be there. But there is an even worse threat to everyone aboard the B-17 bomber. To the young woman's understandable shock, she spots an honest-to-goodness gremlin climbing on the underside of the B-17's wing. It will not come as a shock to you, dear listeners, that the crew of the Fool's Aaron do not believe Maud Garrett's report of the horrible little beastie any more than they do on her spotting the enemy plane. I haven't been able to find an account of how much Shadow in the Cloud actually cost to produce, but I think it's fair to say that it didn't have the budget of a blockbuster film. But Liang, who was also co-writer, sets a majority of the film inside that ball turret. Which is a very smart decision. Not only does this add to the tension, seeing Maud Garrett locked into this claustrophobic space, Dealing with the danger of the gremlin, as well as the enemy planes. But it also allows Chloe Grace Moretz to really show off her acting ability. Yes. Totally agreed, projectionist. For one thing, being in that ball turret gives her no protection from the enemy planes as they rake the B-17 bomber. Or from the gremlin itself. The gremlin is about the size of a small child, winged with razor-sharp claws, and it does not appreciate being seen. It reminds me a lot of the gremlin we see in George Miller's Nightmare at 20,000 Feet segment, from Twilight Zone the movie, actually. It's quick to go on the attack, and it is also quite intelligent to say nothing of being vengeful. You mentioned the tension of Maud being sort of trapped inside that ball turret. It gets incredibly intense when she's the only one to see the damage the gremlin is doing, just ripping up the plane. Interestingly enough, I think we're supposed to understand that even without the damage the monster is doing physically, that it has some kind of, I don't know how to describe it, other than an effect where everything mechanical starts to break down. For example, when the captain decides that she's not able to handle the stress of being in the turret, that she's just imagining the plane in the gremlin, and once they're brought up, the handle to the door breaks off in Maud's hand, etc. Yes, I did notice that as well. Do 
you happen to know where the idea of the gremlin originated, Victor? Yeah. In World War II, pilots would blame mechanical issues on gremlins, saying they were sabotaging the plane. My grandfather, while not a pilot, served in World War II, as well as the Korean War as a tech sergeant. He used to tell me about pilots talking about gremlins, and not just as a catch-all for mechanical oddities while in the air. He said that some of the pilots he talked to actually swore they saw them on or in the plane. In fact, I read online that John W. Hezen, who was a folklorist, claimed to have seen with his own eyes while on a flight damage done by a gremlin, stating that he found, quote, a parted cable which bore obvious tooth marks in spite of the fact that the break occurred in a most inaccessible part of the plane. End quote. My grandfather wasn't one for making up stories, as I've shared on the podcast before, and I remember asking him if he believed in gremlins. He shook his head and admitted he thought they were just a way to explain the unexplainable. But then he added he had seen and heard some odd stuff in the service. It was a term first used by pilots of the Royal Air Force. Although, it was thanks to Roald Dahl and Walt Disney that the idea of mischief little creatures causing issues with allied planes became known to a wider audience. Disney? Oh, yes. Roald Dahl wrote a children's book entitled The Gremlins in 1942, while he was acting as an air attaché for the British Embassy in Washington, D.C. Dahl was a pilot with the RAF, so he had heard of the Gremlins. His manuscript for the children's book was forwarded to Walt Disney, who offered the writer a contract to turn the gremlins into a film, eventually changing it to a short before abandoning the project altogether. The children's story was published first in 1942 in the December issue of Cosmopolitan magazine, and then a year later as a picture book. Wasn't there a Looney Tunes cartoon about gremlins? And you consider yourself a fan of animated theatrical short Sage? Bugs Bunny crossed paths with a gremlin in the October 30th, 1943 animated short entitled Falling Hair. Get a load of this, folks. It says here, a constant menace to pilots after gremlins who wreck planes with their diabolical sabotage. We need to share that in a future tune-in article on the pop culture retrorama site. Shadow in the Cloud not only manages to entertain, as the projectionist pointed out, but it will probably surprise you with where the story goes. By the way, I mentioned a moment ago that Roseanne Liang is also the co-writer for the film. It turns out that, from what I've read online, Max Landis, the son of John Landis, of an American werewolf in London fame, delivered the first draft of the script. But it certainly sounds like, from interviews and such, that Liang did extensive rewrites, and that the finished picture is pretty much her vision. The cast of Shadow in the Cloud is small, as it pretty much all takes place on the B-17 bomber. Besides Moretz, the film features Jurassic World's Nick Robinson, Operation Buffalo's Benedict Wall, The Wild's Joe Witkowski, Byron Call, who you might recognize from Power Rangers Ninja Steel, or at least his voice, Taylor John Smith from Wolves, 
and Balua Koal from Hawaii Five-O. And last but not least is Callan Mulvery, who you might have seen in a little film called Captain America The Winter Soldier. While obviously the male characters in Shadow of the Cloud are not as fleshed out as Maud, even with their off-putting demeanor at the beginning of the film, most of them will win you over. Although, I feel that it's Byron Call's character of Terrence Taggart that sort of steals all the scenes he's in. I also want to point out the music used in the film. It's got a real John Carpenter vibe to it, and is courtesy of Mahui Bridgman Cooper. I probably just butchered his name, but he also did the score for 2014's excellent Housebound. Sadly, it doesn't appear that the soundtrack is available on iTunes just yet. Shadow in the Cloud isn't a perfect movie, but it is most assuredly worth your time and money. Besides, what better way to start off 2021 than with a fun movie featuring a gremlin? And I think that wraps up this episode of the Saturday Frights podcast, friends. As always, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to the show. And we hope you're enjoying Season 3 so far. The music you heard at the beginning and ending of our podcast was provided by Peachy. My co-host, The Projectionist, has his own Facebook page, Projectionist Haunted Drive-In. He manages to share interesting trivia on films on a daily basis, or sometimes just vintage movie posters and behind-the-scenes photographs of some of your favorite films. I want to thank Rockford J for putting up with the abuse of The Projectionist on a nearly daily basis. I couldn't keep a lid on the vault without his hard work. As for myself, you can still find me posting on not just the Saturday Frights page, but the Diary of an Arcade Employee page, and of course the Pop Culture Retrorama Facebook page too. Saturday Frights has an Instagram account, by the way. If you want to check it out, you can find it. It's simply Saturday underscore Frights. If you'd like to contact me with suggestions for future episodes, you can reach me at VicSagePopCulture at gmail.com. For all things pop culture and retro related, feel free to visit us at the Pop Culture Retrorama site. Generally, we have something of interest to share a couple times a day. Of course, we owe a great deal of gratitude to the Retroist, not just for originally hosting the podcast, but for allowing us for nearly 10 years to share our love of all things retro. If you like the show, consider subscribing and giving us a rating over on iTunes. Our past catalog of episodes are slowly coming back online. But you can still listen to the entire collection over on the Internet Archive. We are also available on Google Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher. Until next time, the vault is sealed. This has been a Pop Culture Retrorama podcast. Goodbye, and thanks for listening. The Saturday Frights podcast is not affiliated with or authorized by any of the businesses and individuals that have been mentioned in the show. All music and sound clips are the property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. Audio clips are included for the purpose of review, criticism, and commentary only and are not intended to infringe. Hey, I bet that was a... Say, do you think that... Hey, could that have been a... Gremlin?